Although Wincy, Willis and Clive Dunn deny the charges. <laughs> well, start talking about dropping out, freaking and being transported to another astral plane and most people think about one thing, the Martin Brown show. <laughs> but there are some old people out of the ark, mentioning no names, but Mike Channel might cross your mind, <laughs> who would immediately think of the late 1960s and in particular one record which was a milestone. Rather difficult to play in that case, I would have thought. <laughs> a milestone in musical history, a record that we now salute today on our show, It Was 20 Years Ago Last Tuesday. <laughs> yes, it was 20 years ago last Tuesday that you first heard a record that was to epitomise the 60s and sum up the thoughts and dreams of the young generation of that era. Two little boys... <laughs> Today we look back at the making of this musical monument. <laughs> Ask the people who made it what it meant to them, and more importantly, we seek out the man who wrote this song and shoot him. But more importantly, we look at the era itself, the spirit of 67, a time of peace, love and rampant drug abuse. A time when, through drugs, some were able to experience what it was like to feel the effect of mind-expanding hallucinations, and others were able to experience what it was like to be dead. But it wasn't all fun and games. There was a serious side to fatal drug overdoses, as one of our resident guest experts, Dick Long, points out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> People... People very often died from them. And we'll be coming back to Dick uh, for some more fatuous remarks throughout the show. But first, let's look at the record which started it all. Did you think I would leave you for some, the classic of the sixties, it was to set the mould for all that followed. And for others, an obnoxious Christmas hit that should never have seen the light of day. <laughs> this record, then, was the prototype for all to follow. And our horses will not be toys. Taken from the album, recently released on compact disc, Throw Up Along a Rolf, <laughs> two little boys soared to number one in almost one country. So, what was so special about it? Producer Gus Donald. Well, you've got to remember what it was like at that time. Uh, the Vietnam War, the Paris riots, student demonstrations. And I think all that explains to a great extent people's reaction to the song. Relief at hearing something peaceful. Uh, no extreme violence. <laughs> Nonetheless, the record stands as a useful pointer to the 60s and lays down to make an attractive ashtray. <laughs> well, also with us today, we have uh, Professor Banyard, author of the 60s casebook, Eight Miles High, which, as well as describing his sexual activities in aeroplanes, <laughs> details the hippie culture of the time. Well, of course, two little boys pushed back the barriers. I mean, it was the first song to openly talk about homosexuality, <laughs> and, uh, to criticise the military so forcefully, and to take on the big multi national toy manufacturers, and its influence was colossal. I mean, from America to uh, Europe, and even to Japan. Lolf Harris there. War in Vietnam, riots in every land. Is peace and harmony, that's the way it used to be 20 years ago. Well, one of the engineers who worked on Two Little Boys is with us now, Adrian Wilmot. Tell me something about the recording techniques you used on the record. 
Well, I turned the microphone on, <laughs> left the studio for two minutes, and there it was. Fascinating. Now, there were a lot of other avant-garde techniques being tried out at that time, weren't there? Yes, uh, the Beatles were experimenting with recording something on tape and then playing it backwards, and I myself use this technique, as you can hear. And what does it sound like the right way round? Like this. Hang on a minute, you're putting that piece of tape in backwards. <laughs> Everyone was stoned and getting high, dropping out and turning on and touching the sky. Yes, everyone around was really hip, you know, about 20 years and six or seven days ago. Woo! <laughs> so, was all the free love and hippie peace movement to the 60s a waste of time, or has it had any effect on the way we lead our lives today? Dig long. No. <laughs> Good, thanks very much. Please don't feel any need to elaborate, will you? No. No, no, fine. Well, uh, let's move on to our resident historian, uh, Professor Banyard. Do you think the hippies of the 60s have had any lasting effects? Yes. <laughs> what? Well, I, I don't think anyone will stick flowers in their hair and wear bell-bottom loom pants again. <laughs> well, I'm delighted that we've got with us throughout the show today one of the best-known hippies of the 60s, Emo Hofberg. Hello. Um... Emo, of course, was one of the first uh, advocates of pot smoking, free living, and uh, all the many other things that happened then. Emo, welcome. <laughs> yes, yes, of course, he was a great friend of Timothy Leary. And... Oh, hey. Hello, Emo. <laughs> I was just saying you were a great friend of Timothy Leary. Uh, what do you remember about him? Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to come here. Uh, well, I'm terribly sorry. Emo doesn't seem to be with us at the moment. Flapjacks. Uh, so while we're helping him get his head together, let's find out what people remember of that period in the late 60s. Mike Channel went out into the streets to ask passers-by. Well, uh, I'm here asking people uh, precisely what the... Get out of the road! Oh, well, uh, let me just step onto the pavement then and... Uh... <laughs> Ask people what they remember of the late 60s. Mini skirts, kipper ties, flared trouser suits. Uh, no, thank you. Oh, uh, car polish, nail brush. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. I was wondering uh, who you associated with the late 60s. Uh, uh, Cliff Richard, Gary Glitter, Pope John Paul. Uh, uh... No, the 1960s. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you meant people who were in their 60s. <laughs> uh, no, thank you, yes. Uh, excuse me, sir, who do you associate with the late 60s? Uh, what, uh, politicians, you mean? No, I was thinking more of musicians. Oh, uh, well, no, um, uh, Harold Will. Wilson, Alec Douglas... Uh, no, musicians, sir. Oh, I, I see. Well, um, uh, Bobby Charlton, Sterling Moss... No, musicians. Ah, oh, I've got you. Uh, 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 Cilla Black, Sandy Shaw, Mantovani... No, musicians, sir. <laughs> uh, excuse me, uh, uh, excuse me uh, do you have any fond memories of the 60s? Absolutely not. No, terrible times. Everybody's wandering around with long hair. It's awful. And what were you doing then? I was a hairdresser. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, what do you think of the 1960s protest singer's idea of put down your guns and pick up your guitar? Oh, uh, well, it depends on the circumstances. How do you mean? Well, a guitar's all right for hand, hand fighting, but uh, for long range, you're still going to need a gun like this. Ah! Serves him right. The kings, the stones, the tremolos, Ichiku Park, Peter Sells, Brigitte Bardot, a shot in the dark. Mary Quan's Jean Shrimpton, the miniskirt craze. Twenty years ago, twenty years ago, ah, those were the days. Play it, Eric! 
If I can turn back to our guest this week and ask uh, first you, Dick Long, do you think that all the drug-orientated self-exploration of the 60s was pure self-indulgence or interesting experimentation? Um, I'm not sure, frankly, that I care. <laughs> right, well, a straight answer to a straight question, so... Uh... So, uh, what were the radioactive jocks doing 20 years ago? Mike Channel, of course, will be uh, just about to sign on for his pension. Well, I will be just about to enter kindergarten. At the age of 19. <laughs> As he does everything backwards, Nigel Pry, now 30, would presumably be about to celebrate his 50th birthday. And Anna Dapter would presumably be celebrating her 29th birthday in much the same way as she has been ever since. <laughs> what of Martin Brown? Little is known about Martin, as most of the information is classified. Or certified, more likely. <laughs> on the grounds that if the Russians were to find out about Martin and think the rest of the population were like him, they'd invade tomorrow. We do know, however, that uh, he attended a school run by a Mrs. Broadbent for training dogs. As a result, after six years of intensive tuition, Martin was able to balance a biscuit on the end of his nose. <laughs> this might go some way to explaining his slightly unusual eating habits as witnessed in the radioactive canteen. At the age of nine, having changed schools seven times, Martin was involved in his first and, as it turned out, his last school play, a brave production of the musical Hair. Most parents felt that Martin's insistence on being naked throughout the performance <laughs> would have been more justified had he been in the cast. <laughs> and not simply a programme seller. <laughs> Mike Stan, then an actor in rep, was so taken with Martin in his performance as naked programme seller that he immediately took him under his wing, as it were, and arranged for Martin to make his stage debut in the chorus of the West End production of Hair. Good morning, starshine. Starshine. For once, Martin was singing in a language he understood. <laughs> Even if no one else did. Slip into your sandals and your caftan, rattle those beads and say, I'm burning this drastic because it was 20 years ago last Tuesday, last Tuesday. I'll just get him. Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> Never mind. Cotton butts. So, who were the people of the 60s? For reasons of economy, Sir Norman Tonsil has commissioned Martin Brown to bring us another in his now deeply unpopular potted history series. <laughs> so here now is Martin Brown's potted history of the 60s. Only one thing around here needs potting. Only problem is he might start propagating. <laughs> The 1860s, a decade that bridged the gap between 1850s and the 1870s in a way which almost no other decade could. These were, Martin. for many, the most important years. Martin. Yes, what? In case you hadn't noticed, this program is, in fact, dealing with the 1960s. <laughs> is it? Yes. Oh, well, um, I'll do it about the 1960s then, shall I? If you would. All right, here we go then. Um... <laughs> the 1960s, a decade that bridged the gap between the 1850s and the 1870s in a way which almost no... 
And only a bit of gap between the 19, uh, the 1950s and the 1970s. I mean, in a way in which almost no other decade could. Yes, there are for many the most important years of the reign of Queen Victoria. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's crossed it out. Queen Elizabeth, when Prime Minister did that Harold Harold Wilson declared war on Russia and sent troops <laughs> sent his troops to the Crimea. Yes, that's all right. <laughs> no, also around this time, the famous authoress, um, Enid Blyton, um, created her famous character Jane Eyre, and the musical composer um, uh, Paul McCartney died. Uh, oh no! <laughs> no, no, but, uh, Buddy Holly then, yes, Buddy Holly, yes, and musical composer Buddy Holly died, uh, having spent most of his life deaf. <laughs> I didn't know that about Buddy Holly. So in, in 18, 1966, the famous explorer, D- Dr. Living... David Bellamy... <laughs> ...was immortalised in the words spoken by his assistants in the jungles of Africa. Ah, Mr. Bellamy, I presume. <laughs> Later, in 1966, England beat West Germany 4-2 in the World Cup final. Well, I seem to have got that right. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Anyway, with a hat trick by Charles Dickens. Well, who could possibly tell us less about the 60s than that? <laughs> Nobody, you would have thought, but alas, no, because the radioactive drama repertory company <laughs> have donned their joysticks and set light to their caftans and now bring us their own portrait of the time. The happy movement. The hippie movement. <laughs> started on the west coast of America, and more specifically, in one particular city. Chicago, Chicago. San Francisco. <laughs> and soon it was spreading like wildfire to other places, like... Chicago, Chicago. England. England swings like a pendulum And to other cities in America, like Chicago. I'm going to Kansas City. So come with us now as we take a journey down memory lane and remember these whinging 60s. (laughs) The swinging 60s. In the summer, everyone was getting their heads together with their trousers. (laughs) Getting their heads together. With their trousers flared, they started a new look. Yes, this was the look of the famous hippie movement. Flowers, beads, flowing dresses, Ian Paisley. (laughs) Flowing dresses, Ian Paisley patterns. (laughs) Drooping Mexican moustaches were all the rage. George Harrison grew one, and Paul McCartney, and even Princess Margaret. (laughs) And even Princess Margaret said that she liked them. My, what exciting and wild times those were. Roger Daltrey summed it up in his famous stuttered song about my generation. Yes, this was the time of love ins, sit ins, and Bernie ins. <laughs> Uh, B, 
beans. <laughs> and of course, much of the music started to show the influence of drugs. Chicago. <laughs> Yes, everyone was starting to make a hash of cakes. <laughs> hash cakes. Drugs were everywhere and everyone wanted to have a joint mortgage. <laughs> to have a joint. Mortgages and responsibilities were forgotten. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Soon the drugs grew University Professor Timothy Leary. Soon the drugs guru, University Professor Timothy Leary, was showing everyone how to get stoned. His pupils were delighted. <laughs> yes, were delighted. And soon everyone was heading for San Francisco. If you People started to seek inspiration in mysticism, in religion, and in yogurt. <laughs> yoga. Musicians became dissatisfied with music from the West. <laughs> and so they turned to the East. Music whose quiet and slow rhythms brought inner harmony. George Harrison was keen to experiment, and with the help of Rebbe Shankar, he started on a babysitter. <laughs> babysitter. So whack. Tell me, how do you people in India play this whack? It takes many years to learn to play like a real Indian like me, like. <laughs> and so the year ended with everyone turning to the east and chanting for Harry. Krish... <laughs> Harry Krishna. It was 20 years ago last Tuesday And Sergeant Pepper told the band to say can we have three chicken gormas and some poppadoms, please? Sad but true. Oi, Vin Vinstrup, what was the music scene like in Norway in the 60s? Uh, well, uh, Anna, we were a little backward. Um, <laughs> most people uh, still then had their wind-up gramophones. It's wind-up. No, Anna, it's not a wind-up, it's true. <laughs> But uh, many Norwegian groups were influenced by the music around at the time, uh, like uh, the Norwegian band who based themselves on the Beatles. What were they called? The Bootles. <laughs> the lovable Merp Tips. <laughs> uh, they had a big hit uh, with the All You Need Is Olaf. Any other British artists have much influence? Your honor, Cat uh, Stevens, he was very influential on the Norwegian Kurt Stevens. Uh, he brought out a Norwegian version of Matthewson. And what was that called? Magnus and Magnuson. <laughs> and did you have any equivalents of the hip groups of the 60s? <gasps> oh, your honor, uh, Crosby, Struz, Nush, and Jungrixen. <laughs> and uh, Jefferson Tractor. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, and of course, there were uh, Sorensen and Garfunkelson. <laughs> they, uh, they had a big hit with Mrs. Robinsonson. <laughs> yes, but I suppose you didn't have any black acts, did you? <gasps> oh, you are, Anna, you are. And who were they? The Fjord Tops. <laughs> and now we take you back today to 20 years ago last Tuesday. Let's go to San Francisco by the Flowerpot Men. Did you know them at all, Emo? Oh, yes, very well, very well. Obalaba Flubba. No, 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 no. Flubbalabalabala. Little weed. Yes, we know you took a little weed, and that's why you have to go around all the time with a trained nurse. Well, uh, I've been told that Paul Simon was very big in the 60s, which uh, surprises me because he seems absolutely tiny today. <laughs> Must be the drugs, I suppose. But uh, in any case, he's still around, achieving massive success with his recent highly acclaimed and widely picketed album. I'm a short guy, and I sure try to hide it. I got platforms on the soles of my shoes. Prospects of the African sound Make another album I won't be no failure this time Gonna check out the ethnic music of Australia Going to Bruceland Bruceland Going to Bruceland I got Australian in my soul I guess I always knew it I'm gonna blow my own didgeridoo It's a good trick if you can do it Gonna buy a boomerang and shake it loose I will call you Sheila And Sheila, you can call me Bruce <laughs> Going to Bruce Land, Bruce Land Good day, sport Going to Bruce Land Well, I've come to Australia Where there's sun and sand and sex who cares if the music is a load of old 4X? Now I have listened to music from Peru to Paris But I never heard nothing quite as dreadful as Ralph Paris <laughs> Going to Bruce Land, Bruce Land Going to Bruce Land I may be a short guy, but I'm gonna be big down on you Simon with a touching homage to his musical mentor, Rolf Harris. <laughs> well, many of those classic 60s records are now being brought out on compact disc, which enables us to hear all the background detail which we missed before. <laughs> so, uh, sorry about that. Have I missed my cue? No, it's coming up in a minute. Oh, well. <laughs> Can I have a look at the paper while I'm waiting? Yeah, well. Oh, there's nothing in it, can't I? Lord. Yeah, hang on a minute, what's this? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> nah, it's alright, they'll never pick it out on the background. Yeah, that's what I call just a Hang on, song you're on, you're on. Oh, sorry, right, here we go, right. 
Right, that's it. See you later. Or at least last Tuesday, everybody I was protesting. Cause my singing, the keeping, indigestion, and my harmonica playing ruptured their intestines. Rob Dylan, uh, who of course in this year of Rolf became a born again Christian, then later in the year a born again Hasidic Jew. A born-again atheist and a born-again Christian again. <laughs> Which uh, just goes to prove, I suppose, that there's one born again every minute. Now, it was 20 years ago, last Tuesday. It's time for... It's time for... It's time for a commercial break. You know. Oh, that's heavy, man. <laughs> On Mars, we are a little different to you. Since we use telepathy, we have no need of a sense of hearing, nor do we need a sense of sight. But some things are similar. For instance, on Mars, we also drink Guinness. Why is that? Because we have no sense of taste either. I'm going to talk to some more women about new aerial liquid. Hello, Marjorie. Hello. Now, tell me what happened to you when you first tried new aerial liquid. Well, my daughter was coming out of school and she came up to me and she said, Mummy, I hope you can stand the sight of blood. And she opened a cardigan and sure enough, her innards had been gouged out by a man-eating rhino. Oh, oh, oh. oh, golly. Well, you can imagine my reaction. Yes. How am I ever going to get those stains out? <laughs> Super. Well, I'm starting to be convinced, but then I'm being paid to. So, uh, shall I try a new era liquid now, or, or shall I talk to another couple of women first? Or shall I go back to presenting radio programs and stop fartassing around in supermarkets? <laughs> we'll see. Great news. I'm going to go it alone. That's marvellous, darling. Yes, I'm starting my own company. Dave's with me. Tim's with me. Colin's with me. Anything is... The car will have to go. But why? Well, you can't have a top executive like me driving around in a tinny little heap like a Renault. <laughs> well, uh, we all have our own form of stimulants. Mike Channel, for instance, I know is a bit of a one for a cup of tea. But uh, Emo Hoffberg, <laughs> do you uh, still take drugs? No, I, I've dropped them. Really? Yes, I've dropped them in this teapot by mistake. <laughs> I see. Well, uh, let's go over and join uh, Mike Channel. Who I see has just floated past the window of Studio 3. No doubt, uh, enjoying his trip into middle-aged fantasy land. I'm flying on the back of a giant albatross. And he's carrying me to a magic land where... where I have all my own teeth again. And all the things I most want in the world. Teas made clock radio. Subscription to the Daily Telegraph. Beautiful women are beckoning me. I run towards them, throwing off my surgical appliance, and now... <laughs> the air is full of music, and it's the most beautiful sound. It's... it's Vince Hill singing Edelweiss. <laughs> and now I'm in a big chair. Oh, it's a, it's a wonderful, mystical chair. It's... it's Valdunican's rocking chair. Oh, what a delight. I've, I've just met David Vine, and, and now he's changing. His face is filling out, and his hair is parting in the most fantastically unbelievable way. He's... 
He's turned into Robert Robinson. I'm appearing on Call My Bluff and I've just... And as Mike Channel floats away, we can talk to Nigel Pry, who has just uh, floated past in the opposite direction, clutching his teacup. Uh, yes, all odd to feel man Pry, all around swirl strange. Yes, literally uh, disorientated now outside, body fly Pry, and uh, what now happened feeling? Yes, wow, wow, yes, mo most odd. Completely unnatural what is happening. Well, how quite extraordinary my speech has started to become completely jumbled. All my words have just started to tumble out in the wrong order. For the first time in my life, I feel as if I'm not making any sense at all. Well, this is probably quite impossible for you to understand, so I'd better stop talking now and wait until I feel a little more like my normal self again. And uh, over to you, Mike. Thank you, Nigel. We should get you stone more often. Ah, uh, better now. Sorry, Michael. Uh, now clear, literally, sense talking. Oh, so that about wraps up our look at the 60s. Our thanks to our expert guests who were good enough to uh, give up their time, and to Emo Hofberg, who was uh, a cabbage. <laughs> Radioactive was performed by Helen Atkinson Wood, Angus Deaton, Jeffrey Perkins, Philip Pope, and Michael Fenton Stevens. Song by Steve Brown and Philip Pope. The program was written by Angus Deaton and Jeffrey Perkins. The producer was David Tyler. Later on tonight, you can hear our school's nighttime broadcasting. At half past midnight, there's perception of higher maths. At quarter to one, there's wildlife of the hinterlands. And finally, at 1.45, hooray, nobody's listening so I can make a lot of rude noises, presented by the Right Reverend Reverend Wright. <laughs>